podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. It's Tuesday, so you know what that means. I have Comptroller Jazzy Hands here with me. How are you doing today, Jazzy? Oh, just Jazzy. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me today. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Excellent. Today, we're going to be looking at a nurse and explorer named Kate Marsden. When I started to research Kate, the episode I thought I was going to be writing took a turn. So check your blind spots and strap in. <laughs> I like that one. Do you that like that good. one? That was, that was a good, good one. <laughs> You're so happy with yourself. I love it. I am. It's good. No, it's good. Born on May 13th of 1853 in Middlesex, England, to parents J.D. Marsden and Sophie Matilda Wellstead, there wasn't a lot known about her childhood, though it does seem to be that they were neither impoverished nor well-off. After her father's death in 1873, when she was just 15 years old, the family experienced a drastic shift and found themselves in poverty. From 1876 to 1877, Kate trained as a nurse at the Evangelical Tottenham Hospital. At the end of her training, Kate volunteered to aid soldiers wounded in the Russo-Turkish War. We got a lot of Red Cross women uh, in the in World <clears throat> War One. I'm finding. She worked at the Red Cross mission and even received an award from Empress Maria Fedorovna. It is here that she first became concerned about the plight of leprosy. She claims to have encountered patients here with a similar disease. So leprosy just kind of comes out of left field in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In 1878, Kate returned to Britain and first found work at the Westminster Hospital. Then she worked at a convalescent home in Liverpool until some ill health she was experiencing forced her to leave in 1882. Two years later, she traveled to New Zealand with her mother, they were making a long journey south to care for her sister, Annie Jane, who was dying of tuberculosis. So she went to go care, help help her mm -hmm. when she was like in sick, when her sister was in sick condition? Yeah, so she and her mother left Britain to go take care of her sister who was dying of tuberculosis. She's just a really, like she, a really, like a, like a helpful individual, a helpful like yeah. caring. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. When the two arrived in 1885, Annie died within a week. That's sad. That's, oh, that makes me so sad. They made this long journey to be with, at least they were there with her in her yeah. last week. Yeah, no, I, that, that's what's important, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, she saw her in her last days. That's yeah. what's, yeah. yeah. Kate and her mother stayed in New Zealand for several years. While she was there, she became the lady superintendent of Wellington Hospital. Okay. She was. She not only ran the hospital, but cared for the patients and trained the nurses. This particular hospital was set up to look after the local Maori population. The Maori are the indigenous people of New Zealand. The haka, the Maori haka right. dance. I do remember, yes. yes. Right. You're laughing because of... He's laughing because of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, man. There's a cup. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Established, uh, she also established the first New Zealand branch of the St. John's Ambulance Brigade. By 1889, Kate had returned to Britain and she began to focus her leprosy care to the country of India. Wow. She still found herself going back to the plight of people she's, with leprosy. She's fighting the good fight and yeah. just somewhere else that <laughs> needs that help too. 
Well, in 1890, she traveled to Russia to accept the award for her work during the war. And while on this trip, she found her interest had shifted again to leprosy care in Russia. So while in Constantinople, Kate met an English doctor who told her about a potential curative herb that was located in Siberia. When questioned about if the trek was going to be worth it in the end, she replied, had it been Kamchatka or the North Pole, I would have tried to reach it. She's she's a good soul. She, she is really someone is. that is just trying to, like help everyone i mean her work in the in the medical and very field. specific too instead of just being broad with it she was like i see these undercared people that i want to look after yeah these ostracized people right because people didn't really understand leprosy, leprosy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you know um after obtaining support from queen victoria and princess alexandra she began requesting funding from the russian royal uh, from the russian royals funding her expedition with the support of the empress well, with the support of the empress of russia and various international leaders the expedition was a go in november of 1890 the tsarina in moscow gave her a letter that encouraged all who read it to assist marsden however they could with her plans to investigate leprosy in siberia the ultimate destination was the village of sosnovka in saka republic it is the far it's it's in the far eastern federal district it's almost the size of india but only contains about 6.3 million people it was a place of exile and is disconnected from the rest of the country. It wasn't a place that you could wander into and you were only there if you were doing it on purpose. They rarely had visitors uh, just because it's such a dangerous long journey and they're like, we'll just send all the lepers and the outcasts there. I'm sure it was even more appreciated than when she showed when she showed up and mm-hmm. you know to try to help everyone. Mm-hmm. This was going to be an incredibly arduous journey, 11,000 miles across Russia in the elements in 1891. That's, oof. Marsden teamed up with a friend at a field who spoke Russian for the trip. They traveled by train, then by sledge to Omsk. Omsk is uh, southwest Siberia. She became ill near Omsk, and they had to stay and rest for a few days before starting their journey again. Along the way, Marsden went out of her way to help the prisons and prisoners that she met. She gave out food to the Russian prisoners and double rations to the women who were accompanying them or the women convicts. They arrived in, bear with me here, Irkutsk around her birthday, May, where they formed a committee to address the leprosy problem. From here, Ada Field no longer continued on the expedition. Horse-drawn carriage took Kate to River Lena. And from here, a barge took her to Yakutsk. There's so much in it's, this journey. It's incredible and we're not that even she like halfway there. Helping people along the way in an attempt to go help more people. While also experiencing her own illnesses. And, yeah, <laughs> while she's sick and giving away rations. Yeah. That's, that's, self, that's a very selfless uh, individual. Mm-hmm. So after... Uh, after the barge, the remainder of the trip was to be completed on horseback. <laughs> it is here that she came across some of the herb that she believed might be the cure for leprosy. An excerpt from Riding Through Siber- Siberia, one of the books she penned after expedition, goes as follows. This is a little bit of a long excerpt, but um, 
it's very interesting. I'm just before you even get into it, I'm just glad to, I'm just excited that she made it. Oh, that she that she made it to write to, to tell a story about it. <laughs> yeah, right. I, you know, like take as much time as you need for this thing. That's really good. That I can breathe. Feel free to interject if you <sighs> have any feelings about a specific part in this excerpt. Please go for it. Now I'm excited. <laughs> There we go. We left Yakutsk for Vilwis to begin our long journey of 3,000 versts, which is 2,000 miles, on horseback. For the purpose of visiting the lepers living in forests unknown, even to the Russians, our cavalcade was somewhat curious, consisting of about 15 men and 30 horses. All those around me were talking in a language which I could not understand, though Mr. Petrov did, who also knew a little French. The photographer in Yakuza took our photograph, but someone moved before it was finished, and therefore it was a failure. It might have given an idea of our costumes. As to mind, it was not very elegant, a sun hat. Over it, a network arrangement as a protection from the mosquitoes, a jacket with very long sleeves, and the badge of the Red Cross on my left arm. Very full trousers down to my knees and high boots above my knees. A revolver, a whip, and a little traveling bag. I was obliged to ride as a man for many reasons. First, because the Yakuk's horses were so wild that it was impossible for me to ride otherwise. Second, no woman could ride on a lady's saddle for 3,000 versts. And thirdly, as there were no roads, the horse constantly stumbles on the roots that are in the forest, threatening to throw the rider over its head. Then it sinks into the mud till the rider's feet are on earth. Having somehow recovered its footing, it rushes along between the branches of the trees and shrubs, utterly regardless of the fact that they were tearing and making mincemeat of the rider's dress. The first day we did five versts, which is 3.3 miles. The second, 15, 10 miles. The third, 20, 13.3 miles. And after that, 80 versts without stopping for sleep. One's sufferings were far worse than even when traveling in the Tarantus. The stiffened position of my body being altogether contrary to its usual free and easy habit and the jerky movements of the untrained horse gave me dreadful pain. Damn. And that's, she's like not even there yet. Uh, uh, she's like still not even there yet. I like her, like... the way she describes everything though. It's, it's very, paints a picture. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like very uh, tumultuous. Mm -hmm. uh, Journey. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well. Oh my God. I have a couple more excerpts because it's really beautiful, but also really crazy. She good, had a really scary moment. Good on the good on her and those and those people, you know, her her, her companions. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, Making, that's tough to yeah mm -hmm. yeah train and then the the horseback. Yes, mm -hmm. sorry. So she says at one point, the only thought in my mind at the time was to keep on and not fall off and to keep my horse on his feet. For if my horse fell, I must fall with it and find myself in the mud. The first ten marshes, it was not so difficult, but after we passed hundreds of them, all the body ached. I felt as though I had spent fifty years on the treadmill. Ugh. It was then that to keep in the saddle was a feat worthy of a hero. Another excerpt. During the summer, the mosquitoes are frightful, both in the night and in the day. And when you arrive in, at a yurt, which serves as a post station, the dirt and vermin and smell are simply disgusting. Bugs, lice, fleas, etc. cover the walls, as well as the benches on which you have to sleep. 
Even on the ground, you will find them. And as soon as a stranger comes in, it seems as if the insects make a combined assault on him in large battalions. And, of course, sleep is a thing never dreamed of. After a few days, the body swells from their bites into a form that can neither be recognized by your dearest friend. Yet with all these pains and penalties, we had to still continue writing from 40 to 80 versts in one day. Ugh. It's... Uh, Bugs. Such good, bugs. I don't such do bugs. I can't do bugs. Like that's. I can't do bugs. I mean, they're clearly they have. There's a bigger. There's a bigger. There's a bigger uh, picture. Yeah, obviously. Bigger I'm stuck on the bugs. I'm absolutely <laughs> no. I, I was cringing for every mm-hmm. every detail. That's rough. One last short passage. After having left Vilusk one night, we entered an immense forest where the horses made a peculiar noise with their feet, as if they were walking over hollow ground. Having asked what it meant, I was told that we were near a place where the forest was burning. In about half an hour, there was seen in the distance a small body of flames, but on getting nearer, it seemed almost a picture of the infernal regions. So terrible was it to the sight, and yet we were obliged to go right into it. Far as could be seen, there were flames and smoke rising from the ground, which was everywhere, apparently burning. Ooh, can you imagine coming up on a wildfire? Think about the wildfires in, um, I mean, recently in, in Australia. Yeah. Here in Siberia, just like trotting along in in 1891, the, the, the forest is on fire. I didn't realize that the ground would sound hollow. I mean, I guess that makes sense if all the roots and soil are being burnt. Right, you, it's gonna lose density, so what it's gonna hollow scary, out. What a, what a scary feeling. She really did such a good uh, uh, job with the details too. She's, I, I was like totally in there. I know, beautiful, um, beautiful descriptions. Man, crazy. So nightmare. <laughs> Once they finally arrived in Sosnovka, the gravity of the horrific living conditions experienced by the people living there truly set in. After she herself wasn't able to figure out the medicinal purposes of the herb that she had found on the journey, she shifted her focus onto improving conditions for the Siberian people with leprosy. They had been exiled from their communities. They were living in small, overcrowded huts. They had shabby, filthy clothing, and they were continually majorly short on food she relayed a story about a young 14 year old boy who would sneak into the town to sleep in his mother's house at night and then he would have to sneak out early early in the morning so that no one can see that he had come back into town she also talks about there being an uninfected girl who was born in an exile village and she wasn't allowed to leave leave yeah yeah i know I mean, like, the journey was rough, but these people have it far worse yeah, than, like... Yeah, yeah, It's very it's, tragic. And she, uh, upon discovering all these things, really made it a mission of hers to solve these these issues. The whole expedition took nearly a year to complete. Upon her return to Moscow, she wrote a few books about her journey to raise money and awareness for the suffering people that she had met. I referenced one earlier, Riding Through Siberia. There's another called On Sledge and Horseback to Outcast Siberian Lepers. In 1893, Marsden went to Chicago and gave a talk addressing her exploits to visitors at the World's Fair. 
She described her journey when asked about it, that she was camping in uncomfortable conditions and the tea was weak. Oh. <laughs> I like that. She also mentioned that she had every intention of returning to Siberia to make sure that things were being done. And in 1895, she founded a charity that is still active today, the St. Francis Leprosy Guild. With help from a London committee, 2,400 pounds were raised. That's about 300,000 pounds today for a leprosy hospital. That's great. Kate returned to Siberia, and in 1897, they opened a hospital in Vilyusk. I do hope the second time around was easier to get to. <laughs> I think her. there were more... Uh, it was a little more accessible I'm sure. because it was the more things were available and right. she had more money. And she was yeah. telling people about the villa, you know, yeah. about this. Yeah. While Kate had been initially received with great praise and accolades upon her return, things began to sour and quickly when questions about her sexuality and inability to manage money well were thrust into the discussions. Damn. Ellen Hewitt, a woman who was at one time extremely close to Marston, came forward with accusations of a few of physical abuse. She also claimed that Marston had used her to travel around Europe with Hewitt footing the bill and when she came into financial problems, Hewitt claims that Marsden up and abandoned her. Ellen even claimed that the leprosy advocacy was a hustle. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to say, based on the research, I found it felt more uh, like a scorned lover. lover. Not to ever discount anyone's um, accusations of physical or, or financial or emotional abuse, but based on all the things that come out i i it doesn't sound to me like these are valid accusations should do an episode about her <laughs> about about if ellen there's, hewitt if there's enough information <laughs> about her to do one when the rumor mill was running in full force american writer isabel hapgood became obsessed and made it her mission to take marsden down for wow. no explicable reason based on what i found i personally believe that she wanted to discredit kate because of her sexuality up until this point kate had proven herself charitable adventurous trustworthy and hapgood even went so far as to review one of marsden's books and said it is absolutely devoid of literary merit she claims that the book misrepresented the conditions of life in russia and the plight of the people with leprosy and that the Russian government could care for, quote, 66 lepers over whom this disproportionate bus and self-advertisement has been wasted. I, yeah, it, mm, I'm not a fan of her. Yeah. But, you know, this, because here's the thing, even if it, let's say it was because, like, her initial reasoning was because she wanted recognition okay but you're she's also the she just opened a hospital over there like you know it's things you can be charitable with it being self-serving in a way i mean that's not the best way to do things but even if that's what's happened there's still results from what kate did yeah oh yeah and just the sheer journey itself but just yeah her work everywhere else it's yeah the smear campaign worked and soon kate was under investigation by the Charity Organization Society of London through no basis other than these, like, wild accusations. 
Wealthy patrons began to withdraw their support on her um, travels. And by the end of the investigation, though, no improprieties in her finances had been found because she wasn't doing anything wrong, but it didn't matter. They had found a way to focus the press releases about the investigation on her personal life. So they were like, we didn't find anything about the charity, but look, she's a lesbian. Bunch of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. When it was shown that she was honest and trustworthy, the public had already decided that she wasn't to be trusted because being a lesbian was the worst offense. Some even said that her journey was to atone for her homosexuality. Oh my god! I know. The chemist and druggist's 19th century assessment came to her defense and said, quote, The fact that her expedition was quixotic in its conception and had been barren of therapeutic results is no reason to carp at the credit to which her bravery and tenacity entitled her. So she found the herb. Didn't end up being what they thought it was going to be. That's fine. She That's... still found a way to make a difference. And also, even if she hadn't, what an incredible journey. What else, what is, an anyone else, what else is anyone else doing, though? Exactly. That, like, they're like, oh, what does she do? You know. Mm-hmm. No. Now, here comes least valuable player of the game, introducing Reverend Alexander Francis. Boop, 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 boop. No. Oh. Least valuable player. We'll work out some new noises into the, <laughs> ne- into the next episode. He was an English-speaking pastor in St. Petersburg. He claimed that he had a confession from Marsden about immorality with women, and he wrote that he planned to publish material alleging fraud by Marsden in her charity work. These accusations levied by him led to an investigation in Russia where she was once again cleared of any wrongdoing. A letter was written by British and American diplomats to the Times to clear her name in August of 1894. At the time, Marsden considered claiming libel damages against Francis. However, around the same time, Oscar Wilde had claimed libel damages against the Marquis of Queensbury over his sexuality, and he lost. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So So that, you know, Kate considered her chances, and as... She saw that as the standard. Yeah. (laughs) like, no. Well, here's the thing. Female homosexuality wasn't illegal in 1895. It was just male sexuality, uh, homosexuality that had been, like, officially deemed illegal. And she would have pursued the lawsuit had she had enough finances to port to support the libel case that's yeah it's so messed up that's what i'm saying this took a turn in in researching this it took a major turn that i wasn't anticipating (laughs) now brexel museum was founded by marsden and reverend jc thompson Marsden is credited as the inspiration behind the museum, and she organized meetings to gather support. She wrote the local paper and invited dignitaries. She gathered artifacts from uh, matchmakers Bryant and May, as well as chocolate makers J.S. Fry and Sons. They were really big companies at the time. The museum received Marsden's vast shell collection. Kate encouraged Dr. Walter Amsden to donate his collection of Egyptian artifacts. In 1913, the mayor of Brexel contacted the committee and said that Marsden had been involved in a controversy. Basically, they found out she was gay. The Charity Organization Society advised that 
Marsden was not a fit person to manage charitable funds. She was then forced to resign before the museum officially opened in 1914. After she died in May of 1931, Brexel Museum refused a portrait that was offered to them. Wow. They're still holding grudges. Trash. I know. Unfortunately, Kate Marsden was never able to truly clear her name in the eyes of her peers. When she died, she was suffering from senile decay and dropsy, which is edema. It's a painful swelling of soft tissue, so like your joints and all that stuff. And she was mostly alone. Her grave had been overgrown, initially unmarked, and was in disarray for many years. But it and the surrounding plots have been cleaned up and are now accessible. And all is not lost, as the communities she aided in Siberia have never forgotten her. In 1991, a 55-carat diamond was found in Yakutsk. They named it Sister of Mercy, Kate Marsden. A memorial statue was erected to commemorate her at Sosnovka Village in 2014, and Kate Marsden scholarship is given to the top English-language student at M.K. Amasov Northeastern Federal University in Yakutsk every year. In 2008, an investigation was launched to figure out what the mysterious herb she traveled to Siberia to find was. Because no one actually knew. Some speculate that it was wormwood. Hmm. And that would have been useful in treating the ulcers. And numbing power, you know, and that kind of stuff. And some say it's an herb called Kuchutka. It is mentioned in the 1899 dictionary written in Saka, and a local herbalist said he had used the herb before, but it was so rare that he hadn't seen it recently. The researchers who were investigating found the buildings that made the leprosarium. Today it is used as a, a village building and as a residence in Sosnovka. And then also they discovered part of the leper hospital that closed in 1962. So the one that she had opened, they closed when they had when they no longer needed it. And in 2009, a foundation stone was laid to mark Marsden's 150th anniversary for a memorial and park in Yakutia. The Saka Theater premiered a new play. It's called Kate Marsden, an Angel of Divine Disposals. And the Royal Geographic Society has her watch, a whistle, and a brooch that Queen Victoria gave her. Wow. Even if her trek had elements of self-service, like books, personal glory, I don't think that there is anything inherently wrong with that. She should be recognized for her efforts in finding relief for leprosy and for the expedition itself. The amount of physical and mental strength that it took to make that journey is incomprehensible. She was targeted and her feet was diminished simply because of her sexuality and was never able to recover her reputation. No one should ever be erased because of who they are. So we will remember her. I'm getting all emotional. (laughs) So sad. Yeah. Yeah. Please continue. No, hey, I, I have to collect myself. No, the, yeah, I mean, she should she should be recognized that makes for me so her sad. work, and I feel like it's. I yeah. feel like I just want that woman. But in, we in the, will in the remember past. her. <laughs> if if that woman in the past could just know that, like, you know, I mean, it's like it's like years later, years down the line, and you know, her work is still being recognized, and people are like putting on a play about yeah. her life, like. Yeah, it's finally. Give that woman her credit. What are you doing? It's Get finally, out of here. yeah, it's Jealous. finally being turned. 
yeah, so uh, Shade Thelen. We will remember her for the compassionate nurse and adventurous explorer that she was. You know, it's someone that that's just that just makes me so sad that just because of who she was, not even just being a woman, like people already discounted her journey because she was a woman. They were all they were already like no. And, yeah. and then on top of that, she's she's a woman. She's gay. With, like, what? What do you? What? She? Yeah. She's gonna be in charge of this? That's Ugh. crazy. No, they're just fragile. Anyway, <laughs> they're. Oh, it yeah. just made me so sad. Any more thoughts, Jazzy Square? Uh, I'm I'm squared out of I'm squared out of thoughts and ideas. <laughs> I'm I'm very I'm I'm happy that her work and her her life is still being recognized and remembered. Or it's fine. Um, it's not that it's still. It's that it's finally, I think. Because all of this stuff, even in Siberia. Well, from the 90s. Well, yeah. But that's only in Siberia. Now. Yeah. Yeah. But still. 90s, yeah, that's really not that long ago. It's so recent. But I'm I'm so glad that I stumbled upon her as a person. Because I really, when when I looked her up, it initially just said like, um, explorer, author, explorer and author and nurse. That's, that's what it says, which I'm glad that that's what it is advertising as her, not any other aspects of it. But I wasn't anticipating the twist that it took because like Hapgood, that stupid American writer for no reason, just through no basis of evidence for her saying that like she thinks that Kate exaggerated the conditions you were you weren't there plus there's you know 15 other people in this caravan that can also bear witness to what it was like yeah right and how dare you there's evidence. Come after someone. There's just physical evidence. It just doesn't even make any sense to, to, to come at her. And then, but know, it's, but... you know, the fact that they were able to twist it all to focus on things that had no basis in. Who cares? She's didn't a even ki- need to be part of the She's a kick-ass woman. It's fine. We're recognizing it now. She's, <laughs> she's, she's, she's the episode. Yes. That is, this she's is, this amazing. is her recognition. Kate Marsden. Look her up. I I I know I included some really long passages, but her travel writing is incredible. I don't even know that it's it's more along the lines of like journal entries that it ended up being. Oh my gosh. So read her work. She's amazing. Yeah, so thank you all so much for tuning in again. We love making these episodes for you guys. If you could do us a favor and take five seconds to rate and review the show, that would be of great help to get the podcast out there. Feel free to email us at womenofherstorypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at at womenofherstorypodcast. Tune back in this Friday for an interview with fitness trainer extraordinaire Megan Ward of Mega Moves. Until then, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of.